Thank you, Lord. If you want to open your Bibles to Psalm 33, open your Bible to Psalm 33. We're going to start there today. You know, we've been <clears throat> we've been talking about hope the last couple times I've spoken, and so we're gonna we're gonna stay there today and probably next week for Easter Sunday. So it's hard to believe it's already Easter this year. Amen. When it comes early, it sneaks up on us. So. Uh, but we're we're excited. If if you run into somebody that needs to be here Easter Sunday, then you know, please invite them. Bring bring them in. Maybe they'll even be thinking about it. There might be still a little bit of a chance that somebody might think I need to I need to get in church on Easter Sunday. So uh, you might have an insight there, inroad. So uh, we've been talking about hope, and so hope is. The definition is this, the confident expectation of good. So you know you're no longer hoping when you're confidently expecting something else that's not good. (laughs) Fear is ultimately the confident expectation of something bad happening. That's really what fear is. It's one of the opposites of hope. It's an opposite of a lot of stuff. But fear, I think, is the opposite of hope. It just means something bad might happen. You know that's something bad that you've been fearing. It could happen. And it even says in the Bible somewhere that sometimes, you know, what I feared has come upon me. Sometimes when we put our faith in what we fear, we're exercising our faith in fear, and so we sometimes get it in our lives. We don't realize how powerful we are. So we start believing in something that's a lie, and we the only way a lie gets empowered in your life as a believer, as a son or daughter of the king, is to believe it. Because that's all the devil has now. He doesn't have power over you. He only has lies. He can gain power over you if you believe a lie. Because then he has power. Because that's the language he talks, right? When he lies, he speaks his native language. He's the father of lies. So if you believe a lie, so if you're believing fear in your life, you're believing a lie. And you know what? Then it has power in your life. Then you'll begin to see its effects. And then you'll say, oh, I knew I should have been afraid of that. Well, it's you empowered that lie. Now, not everything in our life that comes at us, some of it is just an attack. But it doesn't have to have power over us. It doesn't have to have influence over us. It does not have dominion over us. Because we belong to the king. You know, it's a pretty cool picture when you know, Jesus rode into Jerusalem... You know, Palm Sunday. And, you know, the, it, it was such a powerful worship time. I mean, it was so powerful that Jesus said this. The, the Pharisees were saying, Teacher, calm your disciples down. They're, they're, getting too, they're getting out of line here. They're getting too crazy. They're getting, you know, they knew what was going on. They knew it had crossed over from being amazed to worshiping Him. Okay, there was worship going on. And so they, they didn't want any of that. You can't be worshiped. Because they didn't believe he was God. And so Jesus makes a statement, hey, if they're quiet, if they're quiet, excuse me, then even the rocks are going to cry out. Even the stones are going to cry out in that moment. So there's a there's a powerful picture there. It was so powerful in that moment, I think I don't think Jesus was just making an analogy. I don't think he was just saying that for effect. I think he was saying, look, if these if people aren't praising me, creation's going to start doing it. 
you're, you're going to see something amazing happen because the king is coming to town. The king is riding in on his victory march. Now, it wasn't the victory march that all the people thought, though, was it? Many of them. Many of them had hope for something different than what Jesus was going to do. Yet he was on the victory march. The victory march just looked different than what they thought. Has the victory march of God in your life ever looked different than you thought? <laughs> you know, have you all seen that picture on the, that goes around the internet? I should have probably got it, but I didn't. So, But it says... It has two pictures. and one, it has a stick figure. So it's a drawing I could actually draw. It has a stick figure. and has a, you know, a, a, like a path towards heaven. And it says, your plan for your life. And it's just a straight path. And you just walk right up to it. And then it, there's another picture right next to it. It says, God's plan for your life. And the line is like this. There's a big pit. And there's, you know, there's some alligators in there or something. Or, I don't know if there's really alligators. But... Um, and, you know, there's this, there's this another place where there's a wall to climb over. You know, there's just basically, it's, it's an up and down thing. It's a challenging thing. It's not an easy road. And so God's plan sometimes looks different than our plan. So I, I do like that picture. When I, probably one of the few things I like on Facebook, I guess. Um, <laughs> besides, you know, something good that you guys post. Um, so sometimes, just like on Palm Sunday, our, our hope is not in the right thing. And so Psalm 33 kind of addresses that. And so I, I kind of just got to this scripture really just by looking at all the scriptures that said hope. And this one just jumped out at me. And so Psalm 33, we're going to start in verse 16. Excuse me if I said 17. Verse 16 says this, Holy Spirit, open the word of God, the scripture, your scriptures as we read them. No king is saved by the size of his army. No warrior escapes by his great strength. A horse is a vain or a false hope for deliverance. Despite all its great strength, it cannot save. So I want us to stop there. Psalm 33, we don't have who wrote this psalm, uh, so we don't know if, the, if it was King David or not. It still could have been. Uh, but it's, it's, a, it's a psalm that talks about someone who was aware of the culture of the day. And here, here's what they were aware of. They, aware, they were aware of what it meant to hope in man, and in man's plan, and in man's strength, and in human strength, and what it meant to hope in God, and God's word, and God's strength. And so what, what it says here is, look, no king is saved by the size of his army. Here's the thing, though. Worldly thinking, is a king saved by the size of his army? Absolutely. Right? I mean, what would have been the thinking in this day when the book of Psalms was written, if you have the bigger army, you have a better chance, right? Yeah, it's, yeah, it's not a trick question. <laughs> if you had the better army, you have the better chance. You know, if you're on a horse and that person's on foot, then you're in a position of strength. And in the world, in terms of the human world, without God, that was 100% true. 100% true. But what it's saying here, the psalmist is saying, is like, look, there's, there's something greater. There's, there, there's, there's a hope that I want to put my hope in that's not of this world, that's not of human thinking, that's not even sometimes practical thinking. 
Now, I'm not against being practical. Anybody hear me say that? I'm not, I think God is, is very practical in many ways. But there's sometimes where there's the practical thing and the God thing. It's like Jesus riding into Jerusalem. How would you have planned to save the world if you were God? It would have been different. The practical way is not to be born in a stable. Right? Probably not to even be born as a baby. Why not just show up as a man? Why not just show up in the sky and come down and float down and everybody will know and just say, I'm Jesus, I'm God. And everybody goes, okay, you are. (laughs) You know, why not do it that way? I don't know. (laughs) You know, sometimes we wish God that would work in our lives like that, don't we? We got, man, God, if you just do it this way, then <laughs> then, it would, then it would work out better. Then I would be able to, I would trust you more, God, if I could just see. Well, he's like, well, then you can't have faith because faith is, you know, in the unseen. You know, I would have more hope, God, if you would just show me a little bit more. And God says, well, if you already have what you hope for, then it's not really hope because you, you, know, you only hope for something you don't have yet. So there has to be an expectancy. There's an expectation of, hey, I, I'm desiring something that I'm not quite seeing yet. And so it says, no king is saved by the size of his army. So this is totally going against human thinking. We have to realize sometimes my hope will totally go against practical human thinking. And sometimes what it shows is where is my trust? Because if my trust is in the size of the army and in the horse, in other words, what, is, what are those things? Those are the, the human things around me. Maybe I'm trusting in my own strength. Maybe I'm trusting my own intellect. Maybe I'm trusting my own skill. I can handle this. <laughs> I, I can handle this. And God says, well, my goal is that you don't handle it. <laughs> my goal is that I handle it, and you walk in my power, and I'm still handling it even though you think you're doing it. <laughs> Christ in you, what? The hope of glory. It's no longer me who lives, but Christ who lives in me. I'm crucified with Christ. I'm dead, but I'm alive. Nevertheless, I live And the life that I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me. So there's there's something different beyond the world that He's trying trying to get us to. So I don't know what the horse is in your life. I don't know what the army is in your life. But if you're putting your trust in that, it's a false hope. So that's what he's saying here. A horse is a vain hope or a false hope for deliverance, despite all its strength. Hey, there's strength there. It doesn't mean we, there's not some you know, practical things that are true, but there's something greater. But verse 18, listen to this. It says, But the eyes of the Lord are on those who fear Him, on those whose hope is in His unfailing love, to deliver them from death and keep them alive in famine. Now, I love that right there. We we're not we don't have we don't have like food famines in the United States, right? We we don't we don't understand what that means because we just go to the store. There there's like a couple of businesses that are always 
they're always on, right? You've got the grocery stores and the funeral homes. Okay? It doesn't matter what the economy's like. I'm serious. Isn't it true? The, the funeral home, people are, we're going to die. That business is never affected by the economy. And you know what? Another one is, is the grocery business. No matter what's going on, no matter how bad oil gets or how good it gets, you still have to go eat food. People still get food. That's one of the basic needs. So those things are, those things are, are, are set. We don't know what it's like to have famine, but there can be other types of famines in our lives. You know, when you don't have enough finances, that might feel like a little bit of a famine, right? When you don't have enough of whatever. In other words, there's a shortage. There's a scarcity of something you need. That's a famine. And God says here, the promise is, those who are hoping in His unfailing love, you'll be kept alive. In other words, it looks like you're not going to make it, but you're going to make it. He's going to, he's going to sustain you. He's going to provide for you. He's going, to, he's going to be there for you. There's going to be things that happen. Verse 20 says, We wait in hope for the Lord, for He is our help and our shield. In Him our hearts rejoice, for we trust in His holy name. May Your unfailing love rest upon us, O Lord, even as we put our hope in You. That's really the basics of hope right there. It has to be in Him. And you know what? The famine, the, the challenges, the, the battles reveal to us where our hope is really set. All those things that come, you know, trials. We talked about that last week. We talked a little bit about how, you know, suffering produces perseverance. That makes sense. And it's perseverance produces character. Okay. That makes sense. But then character produces hope. Why does character produce hope? Because I'm different. When you're different, you see things differently, you react to things differently, you believe differently. So you have to be changed in order to have more hope. So sometimes God's like, look, I'm working on changing you. I'm not reaching to you. (laughs) I'm working on, I'll preach over here. I'm working on changing you. (laughs) So that your hope is in me. And then your character is formed and you're stronger than you were before and you can believe for greater things than you believed before. Your faith will be greater and stronger. You'll see better miracles than before, but you're going to have to go through it so your character is there to be able to see things differently, to be able to hope in that situation. God is building you for that time. He's building you for that place. That's exactly what the psalmist understood. He understood it didn't matter if he had the best of anything. If his hope wasn't in the Lord, he didn't have the number one choice for deliverance. He didn't have the number one choice for breakthrough. He didn't have the number one choice for sustenance in the famine. If his hope wasn't in the Lord. Now I want us to turn to Lamentations. This might be quick. Get to the point quick and and get after it quick, huh? Lamentation. Anybody know where that is in the Bible? Neither do I. Okay? It's after Jeremiah. Okay, open in the middle and kind of search for Jeremiah. And then it's right after that. Lamentations chapter 3. Now, Lamentations, while you're finding that, because I know it's going to take you some of you quite a while. Um, Lamentations chapter 3, or the book, is written by Jeremiah. And basically, if you aren't aware of Jeremiah, let me summarize Jeremiah's ministry in this. Uh, Jeremiah called out to the people of God, said, hey, you need to change, 
and nobody ever believed anything he said his whole life. Basically, he, was a, he never had a successful altar call. I mean, nothing. It was kind of like, you know, he preached and everybody already said, everybody said, no, I don't, I don't believe you. <laughs> this, you don't want a Jeremiah ministry, okay? Because <laughs> then they not only stop believing him, they start like throwing him in pits and doing all this stuff to him. And they're like, you're, you're not speaking God. They, in, in fact, start to slander him and like going, you're, you haven't heard from God. You're not hearing from God. But then finally what happens, all the things that Jeremiah said happen as that Jerusalem is broken down, the people of God are taken captive, they're exiled, and Lamentations is Jeremiah's response. And to me it's just beautiful because it shows the heart of Jeremiah. No No matter how many times Jeremiah was rejected, he still loved those people dearly. I don't that's 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 supernatural right there. I mean, how many times when you're, you're pouring your life into somebody and trying to speak the truth to them, and they keep saying, no, 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 you're a liar. No, you're a liar. That's not God. No. At some point, what do you do? See ya. <laughs> and when their life goes in turmoil, you're, you know, you're not crying like Jeremiah. You're like, I told you so, bro. <laughs> oh, they got what's coming to them. Ouch! You're like, oh, I I'm just talking about you, not about me. <laughs> but, I mean, think about it. I mean, here's Jeremiah. Everything he's, he's been saying in his whole life is kind of like, Hello! If you just would have listened to me, this, this might not have happened. But the book of Lamentations shows me that Jeremiah had the heart of God still. He didn't say, I told you so. He, didn't, he wasn't saying, man, not my problem. <laughs> I'm the only one been hearing from God. Bunch of pagans. <laughs> no, Jeremiah, it's like throughout Lamentations, it's, it's a lament. That's why it's called Lamentations. Jeremiah is heartbroken and he weeps. It says, my eyes are a flood of tears. And they're, they're just a fountain, fountain of tears for my people. That's, that's powerful right there. Why, why was Jeremiah entrusted with such a precious ministry? Man, because he had the heart of God. And God knew he was given the character <laughs> to go through what he was called to go through. So in the midst of all this, the, the Lamentations, is, it's not like an encouraging book. Most of it isn't. It's really like, we're destroyed, we're, we're destroyed, everything's gone to hell, basically is what, they're, what they would say in today's vernacular. But right in the middle of Lamentation, there's like a bing, there's like a light. And you may have heard it before. If you've been in church, I'm sure you've heard it before. Verse 17 says this, and it has a very powerful principle about hope in it. Uh, verse, we're going to start in 17 just to give you the uh, context of, of how the moaning is going with Jeremiah. I've been deprived of peace. I have forgotten what prosperity is, so I say my splendor is gone and all that I hoped from the Lord. I remember my affliction and my wandering, the bitterness and the gall. I will remember them and my soul is downcast within me. That's not one you put on the wall and memorize, is it? (laughs) Let's just meditate on that for a while. My soul is downcast within me. 
I mean, you know, that's the place he was in. But that, that was the realistic place. It was like his, you know, this was the, the ultimate point of depression, discouragement, bitterness, and weeping, and destruction. And then verse 21 is like the light turns on. Yet this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed, for His compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. I say to myself, the Lord is my portion, therefore I will wait for Him. The Lord is good to those whose hope is in Him, to the one who seeks Him. It is good to wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. That's where that famous scripture comes from. Yes, I did pick that song on purpose, because I got to pick the songs today. Great is thy faithfulness. So in the midst of that, Jeremiah just has this picture of God, and he does something very important. These two passages contrast with one another. You've you got to catch it. What does he say in verse 20? Or in verse 19 and 20, he says, I remember my affliction. And then in verse 20, he says, I well remember all this bad stuff, and my soul is downcast within me. Then in verse 21, he says, Yet this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. And he says, I say to myself again, the Lord is my portion. So there's, there's a huge principle in here. If I have lost hope, I have to figure out what I'm remembering. What are you bringing to your mind? That's what remember means, to bring, a, you know, you bring it up in your mind. What is being brought up in your mind? If What is being brought up in your mind is destruction, the bitterness, all the bad stuff that's going on. Guess what's going to happen? My soul will be downcast within me. <laughs> it's a, I don't even want to say it's a formula, but I want to say it's a principle that if you do that, when you begin to remember all the bad stuff, all the junk, all the stuff that's been done to you, all the stuff that you don't have, all the stuff that God didn't do the way you wanted Him to do, then you know what's going to happen? Your soul will begin to be... You'll, you can get yourself into depression. You, can, you get yourself into discouragement. You get yourself in a spiritual pit. So there's a principle here that says, Yet, when I call this to mind, therefore I have hope. So if you don't have hope, or you don't have hope for a certain situation, or you don't have hope in a certain place of your life, we have to make sure, first of all, is my hope in the right thing or person? Am I trusting in the size of my army, or is my hope in God? even though I've got all this great stuff. Or I could be in another place where there isn't a great army, there isn't a horse, there isn't all the stuff that I think I should see, and it looks like there's nothing good. Am I going to think about that stuff over and over again? Am I going to remember that? Am I going to bring that up to my mind and push myself into discouragement and depression? Or am I going to call something to mind? See, there's an there's a intentionality in Jeremiah right here. There's a... There's a he is, he is intentionally telling himself what to think. You can choose what you want to think about. You can choose what you want to think about. What you are calling to mind will determine whether you have hope. 
And what does Jeremiah call to mind? The faithfulness of God. The faithfulness of God. Bill Johnson, Johnson says it this way. I don't know if he said it in our study or not that we've been doing on Wednesdays, which has been awesome. But he says this, The only right we have to our past is the testimony of the Lord. The only legal right we have to look into our past is to the testimony of the Lord. In other words, what has God done in my life? That's, if I'm going in the past and it's anything but that, I shouldn't go there. Because what I'm calling to my mind is either the faithfulness of God or the discouragement of now. Yet I call this to mind because of the Lord's great love. Isn't it interesting in both these passages, Psalm 33 and Lamentations 3, they say, in God's unfailing love or in His, His great mercy. What if we believe that God's mercies were really new every morning? What if we believe that? What if we woke up, whenever that is, <laughs> whether it's early in the morning or in the, if you sleep in the afternoon sometimes, you woke up and said, today is a new day. God's mercy is new. What if we live like that toward everybody else around us? That God's mercy was new towards them every day as well. That's, just, that's free. That's not in lamentation. <laughs> God's mercy is new every morning to everyone. So why don't I join in in God's mercy and extending it to someone else in my life that says, I'm going to forget yesterday. I'm going to believe for today. I'm not talking about being ignorant, like, you know, getting yourself into a bad situation. I'm not talking about that. But we're talking about holding that against Him. God's mercy is new every morning. So I'm not going to call us to mind today. That's why today is always the day the Lord's made. God's always in today. God's always thinking about now. I mean, I know he's got the future under control. He's taken care of the past. He's, you know, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. God is not in time, so he's not really... But he does say, I am. When he says, Who, what's your name? I am. I'm right now. So the mercy of God is always right now. I am right now. God's faithfulness is always right now. When I call this to mind, what happens? Boom, I have hope. It's simple... Not easy. <laughs> it's not hard to understand. It is sometimes hard in the execution phase. Amen? <laughs> the execution phase because our minds, we've trained ourselves to think about certain things in certain ways, and that's why we need to renew our minds. Part of what happens when you renew your mind, when you read the Scriptures, you're renewing your mind. You need to think a different way. I need to think about the faithfulness of God. And he says, what does he say there in verse 24? Jeremiah says, I say to myself, it's okay to talk to yourself. I want to let you know you're not crazy. Right? You like talking to yourself? <laughs> Some of you are like, yeah! <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Some of you have to. You're like, you know... I mean, ladies, you, most ladies have more words than men, I've heard. You know, and so once your husband's done, you've got to talk to somebody, right? <laughs> Sometimes it's been flipped. There's a few marriages I've seen where you're like going, man, that dude talks all, I don't know how he stops talking. Some of you, I'm, both of you talk a lot. I don't know how you even ever hear each other. So 
Okay, that was totally free on the marriage counseling thing. So listen every once in a while. Okay. But you can talk to yourself. That's what it says here, you know. He says, I say to myself. In other words, he's talking to himself. Hey, hey, guess what? The Lord is my portion. Jeremiah, the Lord is your portion. Tell yourself that. Hey, the Lord is the one who's my portion. My hope is in Him. Listen to me, John Wymore. Your hope is in God. Quit hoping in your strength. Quit hoping in your talent and your abilities. Quit hoping in your giftings. Quit hoping in this or that. Your hope is in God. Quit looking at all the times you fail. Quit looking at all the times other people have failed. Quit looking at all the times when things got burned down and didn't look right. I'm not going ho- to put my mind upon that. I'm not going to dwell on that. I'm not going to meditate upon that. I'm not going to remember my affliction. I'm going to say to myself, I'm going to bring this to my mind, great is the faithfulness of God. What happens when we do that? Immediately things change. Our spirit is awakened because, you know, we are activated. Our grace is activated in our lives by faith. So the grace to believe for hope is activated when I am putting my trust in the right person, in the right things. I have to call things to mind, and sometimes I have to talk to myself. Tell yourself. It's like the Psalms. You know the psalm where it says over and over again, where I think it's Psalm 40 and then again in Psalm 42, Hey soul, put your trust in God. Hey, put your trust in God. Sometimes you need to tell yourself that. Dennis, tell yourself. Dennis, put your trust in God. I'm just using an example. Put your trust in God. (laughs) You know, talk to yourself. Hey you, hey you, hey you in there. Whatever part you need to get to. Put your hope in God. Put your trust in God. I'm going to say to myself, God is faithful. The Lord is my portion. Therefore, I'm going to wait for Him. I'm going to wait for Him. Man, waiting is not fun. Waiting is not fun. We don't want to wait. That's why we've created America. (laughs) Right? So we don't have to wait for anything. We can get it all right now. You know? You don't even know we don't need to, we don't even like going to stores anymore. We just order on the online, right? Because I don't want to have to I want to get something as soon as possible. I want it now. Some of that stuff's like the big giant army. I put my trust in them in all that. And it's it's a vain hope for deliverance. It's a false hope. It's not it's not going to sustain me. It's not, it's not going to carry me through. You know, throughout the book of Proverbs, it talks about hope, putting your hope in this or putting your hope in that. And it says the expectations of the wicked come to nothing, but the righteous who hope in the Lord. You know, there's a bountiful harvest. There's a, there's a blessing that happens when we put our hope in God. So what are you calling to mind? What are you calling to your mind? And you know what? Sometimes you have to tell yourself over and over and over again. That doesn't mean you're a defective Christian. doesn't mean you're second rate. It, it means that you're following what God said in His Word. You're saying, no, I say to myself, I will not fear. I will not be afraid, for I'm going to put my trust in the Lord. I will not give in to unbelief because I'm going to put my trust in the Lord. 
Great is your faithfulness, O God. His compassions, they fail not. His mercies are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is good to those whose hope is in Him. It is good to wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. You know what it means there to wait quietly? This is what I think. I'm going to tell you what I think. You're like, man, you just talked about talking to yourself and all that. No, it's, 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 it's talking about peace. It's talking about a pace of peace and quiet. In other words, it doesn't mean that you can't get loud and shout and rejoice. That's not what, it's not saying being quiet in that. It's saying, my soul is stilled within me. Psalm 46.10 says, be still and know that I am God. So there's, there's a point where you know you're really hoping in the Lord when there's a stillness inside here. When there's a storm out here and the storm can't touch in here, then you know your hope is in the Lord because that's how Jesus slept through the storm. There was never a storm inside Jesus and so the outside never had effect on the inside. And so Jesus says, hey, here's your inheritance. I'm going to give you my spirit who is the spirit of hope as well, it says in the scriptures, the one who stirs that up in us so that what's happening on the outside doesn't have to affect the inside. So talk to yourself. Turn to the person next to you and say, start talking to yourself. (laughs) Call those things to mind. Call the faithfulness of God to your mind intentionally think about the things that God has done in your life. Intentionally think about who God is. You'll see things change. And if there's a, and let the Holy Spirit say, hey, I want to show you where the horses are in your life. The things you're putting your hope in that are not me. Amen? Let's stand and pray. Lord, we just thank You that Your Word is true. And so we thank You for just the simple principle of calling Your faithfulness to mind. Lord, I pray for every single person in this room. Lord, I pray for the people who aren't here today. God, that we would learn to renew our minds and learn to call things to mind. And if necessary and when necessary, talk to ourselves and say, no, we're going to put our hope in God. Lord, we thank you. Your faithfulness is greater than any destruction that may have happened in our life. Just as Jeremiah understood in that moment, there was a revelation that Jeremiah had that no matter what, everything looked bad on the outside, but there was still a revelation that said, great is your faithfulness, God. I'm putting my trust in you. And so we ask, Lord, for that same strength. We know, Holy Spirit, that you're within us. And we ask right now, if there's any horse or army that we're putting our, strength, our hope in that's not you, Lord, we want that revealed because we, we don't want to have that hope for deliverance. Lord, our hope is in you. We want our hope to be in you. And so we, we honestly and simply just invite you to show us where we, have put, where we have false hope, Lord. Reveal that to us this morning, God. And then as we call those things to mind, we, be, we begin to remember, oh, I remember when God did this. I remember when God provided this. I remember when... God protected me from this or that. 
Lord, and I know we'll, we'll get to heaven someday and we'll get to view the whole enchilada maybe and we'll, there'll be so many more times when we'll realize you are faithful every step of the way. Every single day, every day, your mercy was being poured upon us in a new way each and every day. It's new every morning. And so we choose to worship you, God. Thank you for your faithfulness and stirring that in our hearts today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. He's good. Dwell on the goodness of God. Hope to see you out this afternoon at the stadium again. To be there by 2.30 at the latest for the march. Uh, the service, if you're going for just the prayer time and worship time, is four, from 4 to four to 5. If you need a, a shirt and you don't have one, just go get one. <laughs>